John, New York, New York is supposed to be a hell of a town, but it certainly isn't for baseball in 2023. It's shocking. I thought both teams would be playoff teams here at the deadline. The Yankees did next to nothing, and the Mets are are they rebuilding, repurposing? I think they call it repurposing. Whatever it is, I, I don't love it. May not, maybe a good strategy based on how they performed this year, but uh, it's been a down year for baseball in New York. We're going to dive deep on the two New York teams, the Yankees and Mets, and also go around the league and tell you what we think about how everybody did in this trade deadline if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, John, uh, I'm sure both of our heads are swimming. We're doing this podcast after we did, I don't know, six, eight hours of uh, television on the trade deadline for the MLB Network. Then we wrote some columns for the New York Post. And now we are going to talk about it for our podcast on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Uh, John, it felt like the Mets, one of our two New York teams, were the center of the universe here. Nobody had ever quite done what Steve Cohn uh, authorized them to do, which was to eat like a big market worth of payroll to make a make a bunch of trades like their dead money is a payroll all in itself this year and next year so i wonder just if we could start big picture what do you think of the philosophy what do you think about what the mets have done well i mean you know i don't know maybe i'm a fan i don't know i'm a little disappointed you know we're going to be covering games and uh you know obviously this season is over as far as contention we knew that already once they traded robertson and then uh, next season is, uh, you know, they're going to try to be competitive, but they don't look like a World Series contender next year. And then, you know, uh, we got a question about 2025. Also, we may be working on year six. Remember, Steve Cohn said uh, he'd be disappointed if he didn't uh, win the World Series in three to five years. Um, I think it'll be a shock if they win the World Series before year six at this point. So, I, I mean, I... I don't know. Maybe I feel like a fan, but I'm 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 disappointed. I I can't say they were bad trades uh, the last couple of days that the Mets made that didn't make any sense to do this. Uh, but it, it feels disappointing to me. You know, John, I think that this owner has to make us think about baseball, team building, pretty much everything in a way we've never thought about it before because of what he's willing to foot the bill for. So I think. I think he came into a not great situation what the Wilpons left here. Not much of a farm system. And he wanted to see, you know, he took a shot at seeing if he could buy a championship while he worked on some of the other stuff. 
And they made a real run at it last year. They were really good. They won 101 games, then they got bounced from the playoffs. They added Verlander to replace DeGrom. And it just, you know, John, you and I are in the clubhouse. It just didn't feel right. You know, is that the dynamic that Scherzer and Verlander, they might not be throwing punches at each other, but it's like a bit of a cold war in there. You know, uh, the Lindor McNeil car thing, who knows what's going on there. It just, it just (laughs) didn't, it, it didn't feel the same this year. They didn't play the same. They didn't perform the same. They played ugly, especially for a Buck Walter team that we always think of as going to be technically sound. And I think that this owner doesn't do half measures. He went all in to try to win. And now he's, you know, again, forget the money. I see like a lot of stuff where people are like, this is all you get for the money. It's his money. Like, like what's art? Art is what you say the value is. He's a big art collector. And if you told him two years ago, hey, would you spend $200 million to add eight really good prospects to your organization, he'd go, yeah, well, they did something like that, right? Like it just, it has names attached to it, like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. So it feels ugly, but I think they took a shot. A shot didn't work. And now they're trying to do something else to see if they could be good for the long term. And the judgment on Billy Epler and Steve Cohen is, did they pick the right guys here? Like, are these good uh, prospects who are going to be part of a bright Met future. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I probably did as well as they could do considering the contracts that the players did have. Um, you know, these guys are ranked fairly high. Uh, Luis Angel Acuna is, I mean, not going to be Ronald Acuna Jr., but he's going to be a, a good major league player. Uh, so, I mean, I think they, they did pretty well. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too easily depressed. Uh, I just feel like <laughs> we're going to be going to games the next couple of years, and we're going to be watching a team that's in transition. And, uh, you know, the, you saw those Max Scherzer quotes in The Athletic uh, in which he said that Billy Epler told him that, you know, it's more 2026 than 2025 that we're looking can at. I, can I use one of my timeouts here? Do you think Billy Epler told him that to some degree – because it would get him to waive the not the no trade. Because I just personally, I don't. I think they're going to do it differently. But John, I don't think Cone is built to punt a season completely. I don't know if Otani will come east. But you're telling me that Steve Cone isn't going to have a moment if if Otani allows it, where he sits down with him and says, "What number do you want?" And again, he's different from anyone else. It's how he buys his art. What number do you want that I could have that painting? So, I mean, if suddenly they had Otani, I mean, we'd feel different about 2024. And I think, and I do think they're going to try to dominate the one and two year market. Like, is that good enough? I don't know. This wasn't good enough dominating whatever this was. You know, I think they're going to try to put as good a team on the field as possible next year without extending contracts past 2024 if possible and not past 2025 for sure um yeah maybe they maybe they were selling to a degree Scherzer and Verlander but you know I maybe I'm buying it I mean is Otani gonna buy it he's gonna see those same comments are they gonna make different comments to him about what they're trying to do well couldn't they say to Otani if you come you're such a unique player you could trust I mean Cohn is not going to say yes if you come we'll invest but if you don't come, like we're probably going to follow some path of least resistance to try to keep building it into the future. Well, it's a good thought. Maybe they'll, if they can get Otani, they'll they'll change um, and change the plan again. Uh, it just seemed like a drastic 180 that they made here. I, you know, you said Cone's going to surprise us. I mean, to me, this is shocking. I think it's probably shocking to Mets fans. It's 
shocking to people around the team. I think Scherzer and Verlander were surprised. Um, you know, I get it. You know, I never liked the idea of a sale. If you if you just did a traditional sale and sold the David Robertson and Tommy Pham and Kenna, the free agents to be, uh, you know, you weren't really going to build anything and you're going to come back and spend a lot next year. I mean, that's what we expected him to do. So, I mean, he surprised us. He, he keeps surprising us. And, uh, you know, maybe this will work out. But, I mean, yeah, obviously this year is an all-time disaster. Uh, we can't gloss over that in any way. Uh, they started 14-7. and seven. I think nobody's going to remember that. Uh, they've been abysmal since then. And I, I don't think it's the technical aspect. I mean, I, I, obviously, you remember some plays where they screwed things up. They've all underperformed. You know, they, their stats are terrible. That's why they're not a good team. It's not one or two plays that were screwed up. I, they don't look like the Keystone Cops to me. They just look like a mediocre baseball team. And uh, it's amazing that a team that won 101 games and replaces DeGrom with Verlander, which I thought was a very good replacement, I still do, uh, is now a bad team. Uh, it's shocking. And, you know, I, I guess I give them credit in the sense that they uh, were able to, you know, have a plan. They they did carry out a plan, and maybe this plan will work. It's just, to me, a little daunting to think about the fact that they're not going to contend next year. They probably aren't going to contend in 2025, and we're looking at 2026. I'm going to be an old man by 2026. Not you, Joe, but I will be. Well, I'm not that far behind, but how about this, John, is like as we're sitting here and taping this show, uh, the Mets had played 105 games and were 50 and 55. We'll do a dinner. I bet you they're better than 50 and 55 through 105 games next year. I, I, I'm not I just think that like like I think you made a key point, John, like they weren't breaking up the team that won 101 games. They were breaking up a team that, for want of a better term, sucks, right? Like, like we're acting like, oh, it's going to be bad to watch what they put on the field. It's been bad to watch this for 105 games. It's not been good. And I agree with you. I'm just pointing out that technically they haven't been great this year. But of course, like this is about the fact that last year, Jeff McNeil won the batting title. He's not a good hitter this year. Starling Marte was a very good player last year. He's not. Adovino is less than he was. Alonso's hitting in the low, low 200s. Lindor's hitting into the 230s. Like a lot of guys who succeeded last year, even, you know, Carlos Carrasco was acceptable when he pitched last year. He hasn't been this year, you know, this, this just hasn't been good enough. If in spring training, I would have told you, Hey, by the way, Sengar and, and, and uh, Francisco Alvarez, they'll get some rookie of the year. They'll be on the ballot someplace off on a lot of places. And I told you nothing else about the team. You would have went, wow, they're going to be really good this year, but everything else pretty much collapsed around that. And I just think they're facing the reality that it's not worthwhile to keep building on this foundation because this foundation is disappointing now. Like we've watched bad baseball, John. Yeah, it's shocking. You mentioned Senga and Alvarez. I mean, there's basically, is there are there three players who've outperformed this year? I mean, I guess, you know, obviously you got to throw Robertson in there and Fam. So that's four. Four out of 20, whatever they've used, they've used more than 30 players, but say four out of their 26 man roster have outperformed. That is shocking. I, I don't know what the problem is. This is the same team that won 101 games last year virtually. And I, I don't know. I Can you assume it was going to be bad again next year? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm surprised that he didn't, you know, 
just play it out, see how it goes. Because frankly, uh, right now, and he, he understood that Miami was going to do something to get better, and some of these other teams that were ahead of him were going to do stuff to get better. But is Miami a world beater? San Francisco, Cincinnati, Arizona, these are the teams ahead of them that they had to beat out. You know, I mean, obviously I'm uh, relitigating something that's not going to happen here now, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just surprised that he didn't play it out and then went big in the free agent market and spent even more money. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to relate, hard for me to understand. We don't, None of us have $20 billion. None of the other 29 owners have $20 billion. You know, it's easy for me to say it's easy to lose $200 million, which he's going to lose this year, uh, according to people that I know, and lose another $200 million next year. I mean, you know, I don't know. Is this a, is this a better alternative? I, I feel like, yeah, maybe they'll be better than 50 and 55 next year, but they're not going to be a contender. They're basically Why giving not? that up. Why not? They're going to have to beat out the same lousy teams that you wanted them to beat out this year. Well, we don't like, have you Verlander. Know. You don't have Verlander and you don't have uh, Scherzer. And, and you know, as disappointing but, as they were this year, I mean, Verlander mostly because he, he missed the first month and then got off to a small, slow start. He's been pretty good since then, obviously. And uh, Scherzer uh, has had some bad starts, but he's been pretty decent. But, um yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, these are coveted pitchers. We're now going to call the Rangers and the and the Astros big winners because they got them, which I get. And, uh, you know, taking them out of the picture, what's the rotation for next year? If you're not going to go out and sign, and they're not, I really don't think they're going to get Otani, but, you know. Neither do I. So yeah. uh, Otani, we're not going to sign Nola, uh, Snell, uh, you know, they've Urias, they, they've said they're not going to go for the upper echelon guys. That part, I definitely believe that they told I them. believe that. I think so what is their rotation? It's Senga, Quintana. Yeah, uh, maybe not even those guys. Like you might try to trade Quintana with one year left in the offseason. I'm going to take I'm going to take Steve Cohn at his word. Steve Cohn has said multiple times, including in that long interview he did with me, John, that he's going to judge his ownership by um if he could build a world-class farm system, a farm system that brings up players every year that are useful and has the Mets in play for anyone who's available because the depth is good. The I keep going back to, is Billy Epler and his group the right group to select those guys? I don't know. They've done multiple drafts now. They've done all these trades. And if this all goes bad, then this is really a waste of time and his money. But this is what he wants to build. And... I think that without that foundation, even if they kept these guys for next year, I'm not sure if you don't have that good foundation. Like we get to the same thing with the Mets all the time. They're just not deep enough. They don't bring, they have like no arms coming in this organization. And by the way, even after this deadline, it isn't like they went out and got arms, but they got out that they hopefully for them got the kind of players that might allow them to trade for arms. They'll clear the salary in a year or two and he'll just buy, you know, again, if not Otani this year, then when Roki Sasaki comes, the great young Japanese pitcher uh, for uh, Chiba Latte comes the following year, then he'll buy him. I, I just, I just, I, I would just say that his ability to foot the bill, if he, it means that they'll have as many good players as he wants them to have. You know, I, you know, I grew up in the Steinbrenner era, so maybe I'm used to a different type of a team in a big market. Um, you know, I, I mean, to me, anyone. Well, we had that team to, this year. We have, two, try, we have anyone, two teams like that, John. This year, they yeah. both stink. 
They both stink. Well, the Yankees have won, uh, what, 25 years in a row or more. So uh, it's generally worked for them. Um, Obviously, it worked for Steinbrenner uh, a lot of the time. Sometimes it didn't. But, I mean, anybody can try to build a a farm system. Let's see if they can do it, first of all. But second of all, I mean, you can do that in a small market. I guess they had the advantage here that they basically bought prospects by paying most of the salary of Scherzer and Verlander. And they got a few prospects. I mean, they didn't get a ton of prospects. They didn't get the number one ranked prospect, but they got they got some decent pro- considering the salaries and what they had to do, and the fact that Verlander was probably only going to go to Houston and maybe to L.A. and probably nowhere else. It probably wasn't that easy uh, to even get this. So can't say they did a bad job with that. It's hard to judge that now, but I I don't think they did a bad job with that. But I mean. You know, building a great farm system, is that the goal of a guy who comes in with $20 billion? I, I don't know. Well, I think the it's the goal to build that as a cornerstone to be a like the Dodgers. A, a, he wants to be the Dodgers. He wants to be in play every year to win a to be in play every year to win a championship. And I think he believes, again, whether you and I believe it isn't important, he believes that the cornerstone to that is having prospects to inject you know talent into your group and to be able to make trades whenever you want hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. John, you mentioned the Yankees. Uh, they pretty much, they were the last of the 30 teams to make a trade in this deadline. Uh, they did very little here. They got Kenyon Middleton and they got Spencer Howard. You know, Spencer Howard in 2017 or so was a good prospect. I think he's a guy who in four cups of Major League Coffee has about a 720 ERA. If I'm reading it right, Kenyon Middleton is probably their seventh best reliever, especially once Loisaga comes back. Maybe not even that if you like Marinaccio and Nick Ramirez better than him. The Yankees had a bad trade deadline. They didn't accomplish anything they wanted to accomplish. They didn't make this team better. They didn't make future teams better. They just revealed that they have a lot of pathology that has rolled up over the years and a problematic product right now. Yeah, I mean, they're in trouble. I mean, their offense is just terrible, and they added nobody. Um, You know, maybe they could have had the foresight to see that this was going to happen and try to jump in early on Cody Bellinger before the Cubs got on that seven-game winning streak, and he came off the market. But once he came off the market, you know, I could see not being that excited by Randall Grichuk or Teoscar Hernandez. Didn't really fit. Cody Bellinger was the guy who fit, and maybe they needed to really go go for it and go early and overpay uh because they need a left-handed bat um you know they're going to go with bowers who's actually been one of the one of the two or three guys who've actually hit okay over the last couple weeks he's actually hit well but uh i mean it's just amazing to me uh you know uh, yeah Rizzo, lemayu stanton i mean they all stopped hitting at the same time rizzo was off to a great start now he's down around 240 had a game with five strikeouts uh, you know, I saw that the Angels haven't had a game like that in 21,000 games or something like that. The Diamondbacks have never had somebody with five strikeouts. So I don't know whether he needs to get his eyes checked or what or what's going on there. But, I mean, 
he was really good the first month of the season or more. Uh, you know, they're in they're in a bad way right now. And, you know, at least the Mets had a plan and they executed that plan and they are trying to do something. The Yankees were caught in the middle and they couldn't find their way out of the middle. Yeah, I, I don't look, I would Cody Bellinger have made this better? Yeah, but it was to me deck chairs on the Titanic. They you know, they got judged. No chance. Right? You think they got no chance. Yeah, I mean, if Jake Bowers is your number two hitter, by the way, Jake Bowers is is a nice little story. He's also everything that's wrong with them. He fields terribly and strikes out too much, can't handle high octane fastballs. It's a nice story. Great. Like you found a, you know, a a a twenty-fourth guy on your team. Maybe like that's not a victory lap. I don't think they should have used prospects to go after one year guys. This is not, this team is Cole and judge and it covered up a lot of sins the last couple of years, but this has been a cascade of like, where's their great player in the international market? Where's their Soto? Where's their Acuna? Where's their Wanda Franco? Where's their position players who are even major league average out of the draft. The trade deadline last year was an utter disaster. They brought in five major league players. It didn't move the needle hardly at all. They gave up a lot because four of them were supposed to play this year. These are the four. Harrison Bader, who's been on the injured list twice, and three guys who haven't played yet this year. Right? Trevino, Montas, and Efros. They've. This has been one disaster after another. This was not about a trade deadline. This was not about a day. This was about an organization that has done a ton wrong for about 36 months especially, and they are paying a price now. And by the way, you mentioned the names. It isn't like LeMayu, Stanton, and Rizzo go away, and only the Yankees might be dumb enough because they thought Donaldson would be better in 23 after he was terrible in 22 to think those guys are going to be better next year. Like, that's probably dead money for them at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I wrote a column in the Post about the slump that uh, Cashman is in, and how there was pressure on him for this deadline. That probably wasn't a fair column because I, I couldn't see a way out. So I'm not surprised he didn't see a way out of it. I mean, the position player market was abysmal this year. So I, I you would have had to be, I, I said creative, you would have to pull something out of nothing probably. But, you know, and, and I said that Cashman is probably heading for the Hall of Fame and and he's in a slump. And it's funny, I see all my, all my inbox, everybody's killing me about saying he's, Probably headed for the Hall of Fame. Nobody's questioning the fact that I said he's been slumping. Uh, you know, obviously Yankee fans are critic can be critical. Um, and you're right. I mean, the the extension for Hicks. I mean, he's at his best was an above average player. You you don't give that kind of a player a seven year deal. That made no sense. Uh, I think Severino. I don't know what happened to him. That deal looked good when they signed it. Uh, not as good as the Nola deal, but. Uh, no, uh, which was signed about the same time, and but uh, Severino has just not performed. I, I don't know. I thought he was tipping his pitches. He has a good arm. It's it's really unexplainable. But right, all these trades, the Gallo trade was not good. I mean, that Minnesota trade, it was bizarre to begin with. To add, take that twenty five million, and you know that the Twins, and and you know I like Josh Donaldson. Fifty, but, fifty million. Twenty five million a year. Twenty five yeah. million. To, you know, so like that to, Isaiah kind of Palefa could play shortstop. That's the theory of the crime. Yeah. Well, like, he might about, be. He's been good as a utility man. Maybe he could play shortstop outside of New York. It's not easy. Right. To be but the Yankees good. play inside of New York. I understand. Uh, you know, I think he's a decent player. The problem with that deal is Donaldson for $25 million a year. 
He's been basically a defensive, and you know I like the guy. I'm the one. Uh, he's a, he's a basically a defensive specialist, a strikeout artist, and often injured. And uh, that was the problem with that deal. That deal didn't really add up. You know, you you have been, and many people have been critical of that deal with Cano and uh, Diaz and Kelnick. Uh, they don't people don't think it added up because of the Cano money. This is a similar type deal. Didn't add up. Worse. Didn't add up to it. it just to Worse, so they got anxious. nothing. The, the Mets got Diaz. To get rid of Gary Sanchez. Release Gary Sanchez. Yes. I mean, he's not a releasable player. He's actually doing well in San Diego. But if you're that fed up with his defense, and I think that there were people in the organization that felt that way, just release him. And Urshela was fine. I mean, there was nothing wrong with Urshela. Now he got hurt this year, but he was hitting about 300 for the Angels. He's a John- very good defender like Donaldson, and he can hit 300, not 150. Whatever Donald- what was Donaldson hitting? I haven't checked, but, I mean, Stanton's down to 200 now, right? John Carlos Stanton, MVP. Donaldson would pay to get up to 150. Uh, the, the, you know, John, you mentioned, like, Sanchez. They can afford it. Like, they watched it for years. Like, like the, the, there's a process problem here. Like, they're watching Sanchez. They keep saying they want to beat the Astros. The Astros are playing like the worst hitter in the league in Marty Maldonado because of the catching is so important. They put a bad defender there. Teams were laughing. You talk to other teams. The idea of Glaber Torres is a shortstop. Every other team I talk to, they're like, what are they doing? They're the Yankees. Go get a shortstop. You're playing this guy out of position. He can't. You're hurting his bat. You hurt Sanchez's bat. He probably should have been a DH because he's trying to handle all their stuff to do it. Then they hold on too long to everybody. Andujar, Frazier, you know, like, like this is a bad process. I understand. Like the Mets were a quick hit, right? They were trying to see if they could use Steve Cohn's money to do this. The Yankees, and again, like we should give credit. They figure out a way every year to be in contention and usually to make the playoffs. And who knows, maybe that will happen again this year. But this just feels like a moment in time where you can't do as much wrong in all the phases of the game. You know, draft, international, uh, player development, trades and then just be like well we got judge and cole that will right you think it was too much analytics was it too much i do i i i I, I kind of think so but i mean it's hard for me to prove but i want to be specific about it john i think they got on let's deal with the offense in particular i think they got on a theory it's like card counting right like i think in their mind is if you played blackjack perfect and you know there's so much better than me you understand odds and numbers better than me but if you play it perfect you'll win 52 or 53% of the time over a long period of time. I think the Yankees theory was over 162 games. If you put a ton of home run hitters into your lineup, then somebody will sequence it right. You'll get walk, single, three-run homer enough to win 95 times. I think in general, that philosophy maybe worked in 2019 when there was a ball that I could have hit out of the stadium, right? It was so alive, right? But as that ball changed and as the rules changed a little where you needed like dynamism on the field, athleticism, et cetera. And by the way, just again, just think of the stupid theory about all the right-hand hitters. If you ask Aaron Boone, like, how are you thinking about using your bullpen today? He'd go, well, we're going to use this guy in this lane because they have these hitters here that we're going to use this guy in this lane. Right. And I go, right. You have specific lanes. You're using your relievers because there's diversity in the other team's lineup. The other team just needs right-handed relievers with hard stuff and breaking balls. You have one freaking lane. That's your lineup. And in the postseason, it was exposed over and over again. And they kept playing small sample size. It's the 162 games. Let's count cards again. It was 
it's a theory that over the years, they should have been like, oh my God, we've dealt into this. Let's get out of it as quick as possible. They kept doubling down on it. More right-hand hitters, more non-athletes, more, you know, what was Cashman's things? Big hairy monsters who hit the ball out. Great. You got a theory. How's the theory look in October? Now, how does it look all year? How's it going to look next year with those more hairy monsters with these rules who have long-term contracts? It's a bad theory now. And I think that the theory was built analytically for a moment when the ball was a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they do need to be younger, more athletic. Uh, that seems to be obvious. They're get, they're getting old, and you're right. I mean, LeMayhew and Stanton and Rizzo, are they going to be better next year? I don't know. I don't, I don't know they could be worse, but, uh, you know, who's to think that in your 30s you get better? You know, you might have a moment here. You might have a year here and there, but all three of them going to be better uh, they're in a they're in a rough position right now. It is interesting how important Cole and Judge are, and how great they've done together to have these two great players. I mean, the Angels have two great players, and they haven't been able to have a winning record until this year for years. Uh, so obviously, Cole and Judge have carried their weight and others. And um, yeah, I mean that that has been the theory. You know, the, the teams that hit the most home runs usually win. Right now, it's the teams that have the best batting averages are the teams that win. And their batting and they average damn is almost the, batting the bottom. Average. They didn't yeah. care about it. Like, But they like did care about on base, and their on base is terrible. Right, they, their on base is terrible because everyone recognized without the Super Bowl, I could throw the ball right down the middle to everybody but Judge, and they're not going to hit it out of the park enough, so I'm going to take all the walks out of the lineup. And the lineup isn't built to have any batting average. One of their guys once told me a team with nine Joe, Joey Gallows would win the World Series. I knew how lost they were when he told me that. Like you, you, because it meant you're not watching. It meant you have a theory, but you're not watching this. And John, look, I'll I'll do one more. But uh, Joey Gallo, not if he was with the Yankees, maybe another team. But yeah, nine Joey Gallo's. He's been uh, terrible with the Twins. Same player with the Twins. Same player with well, the Dodgers. Well, the, the one with the Yankees, after. they would have won fifty games. The way yeah. the Yankees. John, uh, just just I, I I said this, you know, like I think the Mets will have a better record after 105 games next year than they had after this year. I wonder if the Yankees are in for a little bit of a period here, a downturn, where with Cole's opt out on the table for next year after 2024, are you and I about this time of year sitting talking about, oh, the Yankees, instead of Verlander and Scherzer, they're going to have to trade Cole? Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that with what he's done for the franchise. I mean, you know, Cole, uh, Cole has been here for a while at this point, right? Signed in 2019. These other two guys are short timers at this point, right? Right. So, but you know, Verlander, Cole, so you I know think Cole. there's a little bit of more of affinity for Cole and appreciation for what he's done. I think they'll just, you know, assuming he stays on this track, which is outstanding, he probably wins the Cy Young this year. Um, I think they'll probably add a year. That's what they did with uh, Sabathia, right? The, I think they'll probably add a year. And look, they they have a winning record this year with Cole and Judge. You know, Judge has missed uh, more than a third of the time at this point. And those two pieces are crucial. And that deal they got with Judge is a, an amazing bargain. I mean, three hundred. Considering is the whole team. He's the whole team, right? And, and Correa, until he started doing physicals that didn't pan out, was three hundred fifty million. So you're going to tell me Judge is three percent better than Correa, and Turner was going to was offered three hundred forty two million by the Padres. So that's eighteen million. You're going to tell me he's five percent better than Trey Turner. 
He's three times as good as Trey Turner. So, I mean, that they're, they're lucky they didn't have to pay a billion dollars for him. They they got away with one there, and that was a good job. And I think, I think Al Steinbrenner probably deserves the credit for that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 things look bad right now. They have a really good bullpen, but, you know, a really good bullpen is not going to win your pennant. So good that the guy they got at the trade deadlines, their seventh best reliever. That's what they did at the trade that's deadline. A good, that's a good yeah. bullpen. Yeah, John, it's it, it. I I think if people are listening to the show, it's a little bleak. We're talking about uh, New York, New I, York. I feel yeah. bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. When we come back on the show, we'll kind of wrap up the whole sport, how the other 28 teams did. Stick with us on the show. John, I, what's the saying? A lot of sound and fury signaling uh, nothing. I, I think that was this deadline. Uh, there were the, the Mets got obviously into it and traded two Hall of Fame bound uh, starting pitchers. Uh, did a did a significant position player move? I don't think so. You know, unless you like J. Mark Candelaria a lot more than you like. I like him. I'm like still waiting for the player that moves the needle. There were some other starting pitchers, depending on how you feel about a Jack Flaherty, etc. But Guys with some time left, like Dylan Cease, they didn't move. So uh, we all showed up at the party. I'm not sure it was a great party. Yeah, you know what? I've been here 14 years doing these trade deadlines at MLB Network. And I can remember a year. I can't remember exactly which year it was. And I don't remember the player. There was one significant player traded. And he was like a number four starter that the Orioles got. And that was it on the deadline. That was the deadline. One guy. So, you know, I mean, I would say... Wasn't as big as last year, but anytime you've got two Hall of Famers changing, and I know we're probably jaded because it was just it was the Mets, and we knew that what they were doing, and that was it. But two Hall of Famers traded, um, and a, a lot of good starting pitchers traded as well. You know, I think it was still an above average deadline in terms of the movement uh, that went on. But in terms of position players, you're absolutely right, abysmal. There was nobody. Uh, we were looking forward to Cody Bellinger, who's resurrected himself and regained his form and is back to being a terrific player. And he came off the market a few days ahead, thanks to a seven-game winning streak by the Cubs. And, you know, I I can't remember a deadline with this few number of good position players traded. Candelario's having a nice year. He's a good player. But uh, after that, uh, I'm going to have to – I'll be hard-pressed to name another one that I thought was a, a big move for a team. Yeah, you know, John, I, I wonder if part of this deadline, what we'll remember is kind of like what didn't happen, right? Like this was a month ago, we could convince ourselves, was Shohei Otani going to get into this marketplace? That would have been the really big one. Juan Soto, you know, that that, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so is the trade deadline going to be about like, did the Angels make a good decision or a bad decision? Did the Cubs make a good, to your point, with Bellinger and Strowman, did they make a good decision or a bad one? They kind of got forced into it, right? They had like a six-game winning streak, and they won 9-10, and suddenly you're in Chicago. And even though I think if we put the, all their officials on truth serum, they probably wanted to sell one more year, they kind of couldn't do that. So they're in this kind of like, like you know, buy. They got Candelario. Uh, it feels like there were so many teams in that kind of bunched in the middle who didn't want to overcommit or undercommit and the big one is going to be about the Angels. Like, what, did they do the right thing here to kind of honor that Otani and wanting to keep him? They made some significant trades, right? They got Giolito in a trade with uh, with Lopez. They did the trade with the Rockies for a couple of right-hand hitters, including C.J. Crone. They kind of went for it. And will they be rewarded for it? 
Yeah, I don't, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's going to come down to Otani because that's the goal. You know, they like to get in the playoffs, but the real goal is to keep Otani long term. Artie Moreno owns that team. Uh, he collects stars. He, he signed Mike Trout twice, once to a record deal. He signed Hamilton, Pujol, C.J. Wilson, Upton. Uh, he signed a number of big stars without winning anything. I mean, he certainly would like to win, but just having Otani gives them very good attendance, excitement around the team, and somewhat of a chance. Now, you know, it's, they haven't been able to win with Otani making a mere fraction of what he should make. He's up to $30 million this year, but he, there were years where he was making, you know, a million or $5 million for a couple of years, and they weren't able to put together a winner uh, despite that. So, uh, you know, if they don't keep him, obviously they acquired guys who are rentals, uh, starting with Giolito, but the other two from Colorado as well. And they traded away some very, very good prospects. They traded away their number two and three prospects for Giolito. So they're going to be hurting. If uh, if they aren't able to keep Otani, they will be hurting. One thing I wonder about them, though, and I, you know, I don't know this for, for sure, certainly. Uh, you know, I mean, at some point there's a limit for the Angels. I know the Padres barely have a limit, but is there some point where they can consider – if they can keep Otani trading Mike Trout and getting him to say yes to Philadelphia or a New York team, because I mean, at some point, this is the first year they're finally over the threshold and Artie Moreno has religiously stayed under that threshold, but you sign Otani, he's going to be 60 million, I think minimum a year, That 60 million is probably a good estimate. Uh, is he going to be able to keep that Trout contract too? I'm wondering about that. John, I don't think it's just a headache of, you know, dizzying stuff. You and I, again, we've been at this a long time today. I am try trying to come up with something to talk to you about, about this deadline that isn't about a player, isn't about one of the New York teams, and isn't about a player who wasn't traded. And I really can't come up with that. So I wonder if just to put a bow on our trade deadline show, do you think there was a winner the, the in this or go the other way do you think there was an extreme loser somebody who didn't get it done and let's take the new york teams out of it because i think we maybe can make a case for those teams on one side of the record here yeah i think the big winner is the texas rangers i mean it was done before today but chapman has obviously been really good for them as scherzer well he hasn't been scherzer he's still a very good pitcher montgomery stratton uh you know i think texas is the biggest winner I would say you have to count Houston as a winner now with Verlander, Miami, uh, with some surprise moves at the end, uh, and adding Josh Bell at the very end. Uh, I think Miami did a nice job there. And, uh, you know, I think they're, I, I like what the Angels did. I, I agree with it going for it. And I think they have some chance to keep Otani, unlike a lot of people who think they have almost no chance. So I think it was worth the risk. I mean, it's certainly going to be painful. If they don't keep them. Uh, so I would I would say those are the winners. I got four winners, Angels, Marlins, Rangers, Astros. Yeah, well, I think you hit what I – on the kind of overall theme that I think was the win, winner here. We've spent this year where five AL East teams have pretty much been over 500 all season, though I think the Yankees are just about to sink like a lead balloon under that for the first <laughs> time since the early 1990s. They have a, bullpen. They have a great bullpen. They have a don't great bullpen. Up. They, they they have a great bullpen. They never have a lead, but they have a great bullpen. Anyway, I, that was the point. I, we've had so much concentration on that. I actually think now the AL West is fascinating, right? Like, like in some ways, 
did Jim Crane and the Astros feel compelled? Like, oh my goodness, look at what the Rangers are willing to do here. The the Angels didn't trade Otani, and they are becoming a factor in this. And now he bulked up by doing the Scherzer. Uh, I'm sorry, doing the Verlander thing, bringing him back a pitcher who was a key to them winning their two championships ever. I'm suddenly looking at the AL West. Be fascinating. Who's going to win the division? And how many play? We're, we're wondering how many playoff teams are going to come out of the AL East. Now I'm wondering how many playoff teams are going to come out of the AL West. And I know Seattle's been disappointing, but they're not. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're not a pushover. They have very good starting pitching, and I think that they could be a factor in the race. Maybe. Maybe that's the division of strength, though that's hard to say since the A's are the 62 Mets. <laughs> uh, it's a strong division. I think Texas is really good. I, I think they're even better than their record. It's funny to say that with Bruce Bochy as their manager, one of the best managers probably of all time. Uh, they did a lot of great work in the winter as well as at this deadline. And I mean, when they came here and they had Leody Tavares, who had like a 900 OPS batting ninth, and I'm looking at that Yankee lineup and everybody but Judge, as an OPS plus uh, under 105, I think Torres is probably over 100, but everybody but Judge under 100, uh, you know, I'm I'm impressed by Texas. One through nine, they have a, a great lineup. I think their, their rotation is excellent now. They've added Chapman. Will Smith has been good for them. You know, on paper, it's hard to doubt the Astros. I mean, they've got, obviously, Altuve, and they've got Alvarez. They've got guys who've done it and been great and won it. And, you know, it's logical to think they're going to win it. But on paper, I think Texas is the better team right now. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating race to the end in the Lone Star State. I'm sure we'll follow it all year on the show, a podcast from the New York Post. Don't forget, this drops uh, on the Yes app probably about Wednesday, about noon every week. It does mean a lot to us, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, certainly download us each week. I think I hit everything. Oh, no, our producers, Jake Brown, Andrew Hartz, they always help us so much get through this. It was a tough day today to kind of get everything navigated, and always they help us do that each week. And we hope you join us each week on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hume.